Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called I Love This Album, episode 16. Yes, this is episode 16 of I Love This Album, and uh, I mentioned some some time ago that there will be uh, a few surprises in this series, and uh, stuff that maybe people that, that know me or maybe don't know me well or only know me through my taste in music might be a little bit surprised at. Uh, the first one I did was uh, Automatic for the People by R.E.M. And today I'm going to talk about Prince Purple Rain. That shouldn't be a surprise that I love this album. I think uh, a lot of people love this album, um, even people that don't typically like Prince or, or Prince's style of music. I don't know what kind of music Prince plays. He's kind of rock, kind of pop, uh, funk, soul, R&B, a little bit of jazz. Um, no metal in Prince's repertoire, but... Uh, he was, uh, he's probably more than anybody else. Um, you can't say anything bad about Prince. Maybe you don't like his music, but the guy is probably the most talented musician to ever exist. Um, you know, he, he wrote, I don't know how many albums he has, 40 or over 40, close to 40, uh, just studio albums. And then he has all kinds of, I think he has, they say, I think thousands of unreleased songs. I don't know if it's that many. It's maybe hundreds. He has all kinds of remixes. Anyway, so I'm getting off track already. I'm going to talk about Purple Rain, um, and as you can see, two bonuses. I'm going to talk about a couple of uh, bonus Prince-related things, not albums, but uh, towards the end. That's, in this business, we call that a tease, so you have to watch the end, or you can just drag the little thing to the end until you find the surprises, and then you're up for a disappointment. Um, so, so Prince, my history with Prince, I never did see him live, which I didn't really care at the time. And now, now that he's uh, now that he's gone, I, I kind of wish that I had seen him. I maybe regret not seeing him. It reminds me a little bit of uh, I saw Billy Joel last year, and I'm I'm not a Billy Joel fan. I've never been a Billy Joel fan. But as as I get older, and especially as these guys get older, these guys have been around a long time. I think I should see these guys while I have a chance. So I saw Billy Joel, didn't see Prince. Uh, my little history with Prince, though, uh, I guess I first heard Prince. It must have been 82 when 1999 was, uh, was the, his current album at the time. That, uh, Little Red Corvette and, uh, 1999 were on the radio. So I heard them then. And I, I liked them well enough. I never had that album. I never had the 1999 album. Uh, and then when I moved, I moved, I lived in, uh, in Toronto at the time in Scarborough and I moved to another neighborhood in Scarborough. I was like 13. 
1983, and uh, a friend of mine, a guy that I met in my new neighborhood on my street, this guy called Courtney, Courtney Cadogan, and um, he, excuse me, he had 1999, and I think he had some other Prince albums too, and uh, so I, I remember being at his house and, and listening to uh, 1999, and I liked uh, uh, DMSR, Dance Music, Sex, Romance, Delirious, uh, some other songs, uh, Let's Pretend We're Married, on 1999. And then when, when, uh, Purple Rain came out, uh, which was his fourth or fifth album, I, I only heard, uh, 1999 up to that point. And, uh, when, when Purple Rain came out, I was full blown metalhead. This was in 1984. And as a, as a metalhead in 1984, you weren't really allowed to listen to, to Prince, or you would be ostracized from the 14 year old metalhead community. Um, but I did like Prince. Now, still, I think at that point, I didn't have, um, and here it is, Purple Rain. This is the original version. There are some other versions of it now, some deluxe expanded anniversary, classic legacy, whatever uh, editions. This is the, the original one. Um, but I, I did like, uh, and there were, he had videos for Let's Go Crazy and um, uh, When Doves Cry. And they were on uh, on Much Music or or uh, whatever channel that showed videos. They were on it all the time, and I liked it. Um, but I I didn't buy the album. Now I guess lucky for me, my sister did have this album. I I think she had it on cassette. I used to buy records. She had cassettes. I think my sister's probably only bought five full albums in her life, and Purple Rain was one of them. So I remember taking her. Uh, I guess it was cassette. And listening to it, and I and I really liked it. I didn't buy the record until maybe '85 or '86, maybe something like that. And then uh, the CD I've mentioned before that I write or I used to write. Usually the dates. All right, I bought I bought Purple Rain on CD on May third, nineteen ninety. All right, and uh, yeah, you weren't you weren't really. Uh, it was one of those. I remember uh, Gary Holt from Exodus. And uh, somebody else from uh, a couple of other guys, maybe from the real thrash metal world, used to kind of say say the similar thing about rap, that they weren't expected and they weren't allowed to like rap, but they, they secretly loved Warren Demartini. And I was a little bit like that with Prince, and I wouldn't be surprised if other people of my uh, group in 1984 were also maybe closet Prince fans. But... Uh, Anyway, I ended up becoming not a, not a massive Prince fan. He was he was kind of he wasn't. I can't even say hit or miss. I I think I bought uh, of his forty or however many albums he has. I bought um, uh, Purple Rain, the Batman, um, the Symbol album, Emancipation, Raven to the Joy, Fantastic, which I love. That's an amazing album. I love that album. Uh, the Rainbow Children, which I was, I never really got into that one. I think that's it. I didn't buy too much because you never, and this was good, but you never knew what to expect with Prince. His music, every, every album was a little bit different. It was all, I mean, you, it was unmistakably Prince, but he, he never really did the same album time and time again. Um, so that's my Prince history. Now I'm going to talk about this album, Purple Rain. This is a, a massive, a huge album. I'm, I'm pretty sure this was a diamond album in the States, which means 10 million. Uh, or more. 
uh, going through this track by track. Let's go crazy. That was one. Now, the video for that, and if I remember also, there were a couple of live videos that were recorded later in, in 1985. Prince played Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto in December 1984. I remember it well. I mean, I, I remember it almost as if I went to it. I know I didn't. But he played there. It was early or mid-December 1984. He played two nights. And... Um, and I guess some of those some of those uh, clips from those concerts ended up being used. I guess as promotional clips. I think I saw them. They were on all the time, maybe in 1985 on Much Music and Toronto Rocks. So let's go crazy. It was the first one that uh, you know he had that guitar solo at the end. So obviously for me as a metal kid, metalhead, metal guy, whatever you want to call it, headbanger. Uh, it, it was man. I thought this is this is Prince. This is rock guitar. He played a. Wailing. I probably would have, uh, in, in, uh, 1984, I was in grade nine. Everything was wailing. Not, not like wailing Jennings and not like the action of catching whales, but I guess it was wailing, the, the adjective. This is a wailing song. And I thought, oh man, that's a wailing guitar solo. And, and Prince, that, that was more of a rock song, I think, than, than Prince was, uh, accustomed to. So that was a great one. I, I love, Ah, that, that could, I'll talk about my favorites on this album. There, there are quite a few. I love this whole album, obviously. Uh, Let's Go Crazy could have been, uh, could have been one. If you don't like the world you're living in, take a look around you. At least you got friends. I called my old lady for a friendly word. She picked up the phone, dropped it on the floor. Ah, ah. It's all I heard. Are we gonna let the elevator break us down? Oh no, let's go. Let's go crazy. I love that song. Infectious song, that is. Um, Ah, the next one, Take Me With You. That, ah, that could also be my, my favorite song. Uh, that's a, um, I don't know if you would call it a duet or now it would be W slash with Apollonia, who was in, uh, uh, I don't know, I always got confused between Apollonia and Vanity. Uh, but anyway, it was Apollonia who sang Take Me With You. Beautiful song, a, a beautiful, just a, the acoustic guitar and amazing melody. Uh, don't care where we go, I don't care what we do. Uh, don't care I don't care what. All I want, pretty baby, is take me with you. I love that song. Uh, the beautiful ones. That was one I didn't like too much at the time, but over the over the years, over the decades, that's also a contender for a front runner for for really top songs on this album. And something I didn't realize until very recently, I would say in the last less than two years, maybe a year or two ago. And I don't know why it took me so long, because I've known this song for 35 years, and I've known the other one that I'm going to mention for even longer. The um, the beginning of, uh, of The Beautiful Ones, the... Totally Bob O'Reilly by The Who. I don't know why it took me so long to realize that. As I said, it was only a year or two ago, I and I was listening to The Beautiful Ones when I heard it. And I, I was thinking, ah, where's it going? Where's it going? And I had to pause it to, to hear it. And I said, ah, I thought it was Bob O'Reilly by The Who. I've never heard anybody ever say that. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm on the groundbreaker for this, but somebody must have heard it, right? Bob O'Reilly and uh, The Beautiful Ones. Anyway, a beautiful ballad um, uh, from Purple Rain is The Beautiful Ones. And Prince used that that great falsetto voice that he has. Um Computer Blue, Computer Blue, it's okay, that was never a favorite, but I didn't dislike it, it just was never a favorite. Darling Nikki, uh, a famous one, although I never, there were, there were three ways to interpret, you know, the, the famous line, um, I knew a girl named Nikki, I guess you could say she was a sex fiend, I met her in the hotel lobby, masturbating with a magazine. Now, I 
you know, as my 14 year old mind raced to, to, you know, to, to process that, um, I didn't know what he meant. Did, did he mean she was masturbating using a magazine? She was, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, helping herself with the magazine or was she masturbating but also looking at a magazine or was he masturbating with the magazine? I met her in a hotel lobby masturbating. Who was masturbating? Prince or Nikki? We don't know. But that's an excellent song too. Foo Fighters did a cover of that, which I liked a lot. I'm not a huge Foo Fighters fan, but that was a good cover. Um, I think Prince didn't like that one. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit more in the bonus features about Prince personally. Uh, when Doves Cry, that was, I think, I guess that was the biggest song, at least in terms of singles from this album. I loved it. Uh, that, that was kind of like the opposite of, um, Let's Go Crazy, which had the, the great guitar solo at the end. When Doves Cry had it at the beginning, just a, not a solo, but just a little, uh, a little lick at the beginning. When Doves Cry, love that song. I, I never got tired of that one. Um, ah, I would die for you. Ah, no, that's I think that's my favorite on this album. I would die for you, uh, and maybe the um, ah, maybe one of my favorite Prince vocals. I'll have to look at the lyrics just to remind me to how this starts off. The kind of fast part towards the end after the. Uh, uh, I guess after the first verse, first chorus, second verse, second chorus, uh, the part where he sings kind of fast. Um, I love that that uh, vocal. Um, Let's go help people customize and save with Liberty Mutual. Okay, who sat at my desk? Uh, you're just a sinner, I am told. I'll bring you fire when you're cold. I'll be your good. Uh, I'll make you happy when you're sad. I'll be your good when you are bad. Uh, I am conscious. I am love. I am human. I am dove. I am all you really need. All I really know is, to, is for you to know that I believe. Uh, it's, it's, it's fast. I can't remember. Let me see. Uh, you're just a sinner, I am told. I'll be your fire when you're cold. I'll make you happy when you're sad. I'll make you good when you're bad. I'm not a human. I'm a dove. I'm your conscious. I am love. All I really know, all I really need to know is that you believe that I would die for you. I love that song and I love that, uh, that vocal part and that lyric. Fantastic. Um, next song is, uh, Baby I'm a Star. That, that was a little bit, that was another one that probably one of only two, that one in Computer Blue, that were never, uh, a favorite, although I did like it. And then, of course, the last song is Purple Rain, which I would say it's, it's got to be, man, with, for a guy with such a huge catalog, it's hard to say one single signature song, but everybody everybody associates Prince with the color purple. And uh, obviously because of Purple Rain, it's a long, one of his, again, I'm not too familiar with his whole catalog, but that song is eight and a half or nine minutes, nine and a half minutes, eight minutes, something like that. It's very epic and grand. It's big. It's uh, it's romantic. It's sad. It's happy. It's it's feel good. It's feel sad. It's everything. It's it's what you want from Prince, and it's maybe even what you want from music. And another thing that I didn't know until um, also very recently, maybe about two years ago, after he died, he died in 2016, and I would say his family has done. He died without a will. His family has done a very very good job. Often, you know, like this is happening with Chris Cornell right now. Often when somebody dies, their um, you know their their music and their everything in their life, you know, people fight over them. And um, but I, I think I don't know who runs Prince's estate now, but 
whoever it is or whoever they are, they, they do a very good job with that. Because I think it was some years ago they released a video version of Prince doing Purple Rain live from, I think, 1983. And what I didn't know until they released that somewhat recently is that was that live recording was the actual, what I thought for 35 or 40 years, I don't know, from 1984 until a few years ago. I thought that studio, I thought that version was the actual studio recording. So the album, the song, the version that's on the album of Purple Rain, which I'm fumbling my way through, is actually a live recording. Maybe they did some very, very minor touch-ups to it, but I, I watched this and I said, and you can hear a little, um, I think it's after the second verse, you hear somebody, I don't know if it's somebody in the crowd or somebody in the band off mic, they kind of like yell something like just a woo, something like that. And that's in there and you, you can see that and you can hear it. So amazing that that, the, the, the Purple Rain studio version on the Purple Rain album was actually a live version. And uh, I guess that shows how good Prince was in his band. Now again, I should say they, he called it, this was his first one. He called it Prince and the Revolution. I never referred to any of them that. You know, there's then later Prince and the New Power Generation and, I never cared about uh, about any of that. Tom Petty, nobody... I don't call him Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I don't call him Neil Young and Crazy Horse, Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band. To me, this guy was just Prince, whether he was the artist formerly known as or the, the love symbol or whatever. Um, but that's that's it for Purple Rain. Now, uh, the, the first of two bonuses. Aren't you excited? Um, I watched Purple Rain... Recently, I watched it last week. I've been on a real uh, Prince kick. Uh, this happens to me every every once in a while with certain bands where I really, you know, really listen to them a lot. And I, I haven't seen Purple Rain maybe since the late 80s, early 90s. And I remember not liking it. I remember loving the album, but not really liking the movie. I thought, all right, well, it's been a long time since uh, since I watched it. So I watched it, and it sucks. Um, yeah, Purple Rain, the movie. Uh, what a difference between the album. I love the album so much. And the movie is just not very good for... Uh, I don't know if I can articulate. It's easier for me sometimes, I think, to talk about things I like than things that I don't like. But I think in general, bad acting through that whole movie by, by Prince Apollonia, I think, was not a good actor. Not in that movie. I don't know if she did anything else. Um... Morris Day, maybe it's bad directing. If it's everybody, maybe it was bad directing. Um, so, so just bad acting. And also it's just, and again, this is not, I don't know if I can articulate. It's just a weird, kind of nothing happens. Apollonia just appears out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden you see Prince singing the beautiful ones. And he's singing, he's singing right to her. And he's saying, uh, baby, 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 what's it gonna be? And uh, is it him or is it me? Is it him or is it me? And you see Apollonia is crying because she's sitting with Morris Day, who was Prince's... Prince was the kid in the movie, and, and um, they, he, Prince the kid, and, and Morris Day were rivals. And Apollonia was, uh, was you know, she didn't know who to pick. And uh, so she's crying, and I thought, there's, there's, to me, there was no emotion there. It's not like they had established in the movie already that there was this... Uh, you know, rivalry, love rivalry between, uh, that Apollonia had to choose between Mars Day or the kid, Prince. Uh, also at the end, a little bit strange that, uh, they talked a little bit in the movie, they, the, the owner of the club, uh, I can't remember his name. Um, they talked a little bit about Prince, I guess not drawing, but to me, when I watched the, 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 the Mars Day sequences with the time and then the, the Prince sequences, there's really no difference in, 
apparently, I guess the movie wants you to believe that Prince in the movie sucked, that, that nobody cared about his band and nobody liked him and whatever he loved Morris Day in the time. And I never really got that in the movie, at least from, from the crowds. Maybe it was just the way it was filmed. So then at the end, you know, Prince plays, uh, I guess the last song he did was Purple Rain and the crowd loved it. He goes off stage and then he comes back and does, uh, I think I would die for you. So that was a little bit strange. And also just not very good dialogue. They had the, um, like the Abbott and Costello who's on first thing with Morris Day and Jerome talking about that the password to get rid of the girl if, if, the, if they were going to get away from the girl or something about what's the password? Okay, what? No, okay, but what is it? Yes, you're right. What? And it. It? It's the password? I can't even do it. Um, and, and then in between all those scenes, it's just Prince getting angry and throwing temper tantrums at his, his parents, uh, at Apollonia, um, at, at, uh, Morris Day, I think, and at, at, uh, the club owner. Anyway, so, yeah, Purple Rain, I didn't really like that movie too much. Uh, great, great music. And also, I should say, I never thought of, I don't know, they didn't, uh, no, they, it was never listed anywhere, either on the spine, or on the album cover that this, or on the back, this was never listed officially as a soundtrack, which I agree with. I never thought of it as a soundtrack. To me, it's it's just the album, and then they put the songs in the movie. Um, but so, Purple Rain album, fantastic, one of the great ones ever. Movie sucked. Um, now for my second bonus, and and why I'm kind of on this, um, excuse me, this Prince kick. I also just finished reading. The Beautiful Ones. This is a, and it is a beautiful book. Um, I bought this when I was in Canada. Uh, I was there at the end of uh, Christmas 2019 into a little bit of January 2020, so just over a year ago. And just before this pandemic started, and I love I'm going to make myself sound very intelligent. When you talk about music, you sound like you're a dumb guy, but when you talk about books, all of a sudden you're a, you know, a scholar. Um, but I do love reading books, but in here in Mexico, uh, books are hard to come by. In English especially, they're almost impossible to come by. And they're tremendously expensive. When you can find them, they're, they're very, very expensive. But, uh, you know, last year, I guess, and I used to occasionally buy things from Amazon years ago, but they took forever to get here, a month and a half, sometimes two months. But now Amazon has stepped it up, and uh, so I can buy more books. But anyway, I bought a bunch of books. I think I bought 13 books when I was in Canada. And I did buy this one. I think I didn't even know this was out, and I saw it. And it's very, very eye-catching. Look at look at that uh, that spine. The um, the cover is it's very... Um, uh, it, it feels not embossed, but it, it has a nice texture to it. So I can, when I read, I can stroke the book. And so I, I caught it, I flipped through it. I thought, oh, I didn't even know really what it was. And so I bought it and I didn't, because I was reading all these other books, I didn't get around to reading it. I, re I finished this a few days ago. Um, I read this probably in about a week, which is pretty quick for me. This book is... Uh, Close to 300 pages, 279, 279 pages, and maybe a book like that might take me a couple of weeks to read. I think I did this in five or six days, and that's because now I can't say this is a bad book. And I'll give the uh, the co-author, um, his name is Dan Pipenbring, Pipenberg. Uh, 
Let me give this guy his proper credit. Peep and bring. Pipe and bring? I'm not sure. Um, so I wasn't really sure what this was. And I'll give this guy Dan uh, Peep and bring or Pipe and bring huge credit because this book was based on its, I guess it's Prince's memoirs or his autobiography, although it's kind of a mix of a biography and autobiography. Prince, in the, in the months before he died, and this is all explained in these first, you can see the first group of white pages. It's about 50, 40 pages. Um, it's the author, Dan Piepenberg, Piepenbring. I can't remember his name. Sorry, Dan, not that you'll ever see this. Um, th those first 50 pages are him explaining how, yeah, I guess it was uh, in 2000, Prince died in April 2016. So in 2015, I guess, he started working with Prince on his memoirs. The guy was from a, a, a publisher. I don't know if he was from Random House or... Let me try. It was Random House. Um, so he was assigned and he met with Prince and they, they you know, figured out how they were going to write the book. Now, in the time that Prince started writing it till he died, he only wrote 28 pages. So this this book, this 279-page book, was ex was was really, really... This it was really really extended. They they turned uh, 28 pages into a 279 page book, and it's it's not uh, it's not that it's bad. It's not that it's good. It just it's just very. I'll give them credit again for for doing that. So basically, you have uh, the the 48 or 50 pages that that this guy talks about how he worked with Prince, which was actually very very interesting. And then the actual book, now this is, these are Prince's, and this is kind of cool, but ultimately kind of useless. These are Prince's, he actually wrote this by hand. He didn't type it, he didn't do it on a computer, he, he actually wrote it, hand wrote it. And um, so it's, it's Prince's writing scanned onto these pages, 28 pages, and it's pretty much illegible. This guy, Dan, talked about how uh, he had to, that it was very difficult for him to read. And I don't know if he did it by himself or it was a team, but he had to transcribe these 28 pages. And then the next section of the book, it's written into text. So this this part of the text is, is Prince's 28 pages. Uh, now, what I really didn't like about it was very annoying. You know, Prince does the, uh, the number four instead of F-O-R, and he does the number two for T-O-O or T-O-O or T-W-O. I would die for you with the letter U, not Y-O-U. That's okay in song titles and, and in lyrics. But this is, uh, this is 28, well, 28 written pages in the book. I guess it's about, uh, 40 pages. It's, it's, uh, lengthened. And everything is written like that. The number two, the, the, the letter U, uh, the number four, and it's kind of annoying to read. That, that wasn't very enjoyable. And also Prince, um, I mentioned this earlier, personally as a guy, Prince, I think everybody knows he was a, a bit of a a weird guy, or, or maybe the nicer word for that is eccentric. Uh, he, he, honestly, he's always come across to me, and he still does in this book, has got a little bit of a pain in the ass. I don't think he'd be a very fun guy to be with. He, he seems very serious. Maybe he's the most fun guy in the world, I don't know. But uh, because I've been on this Prince kick, I watched him on Larry King, there was an interview he did with Larry King in 1999, and I watched that recently. And uh, ah, Larry asked him, he said something like, uh, he said, so Prince, where do you live now, Spain? And Prince said, 
Well, I don't really think of it as living anywhere. I live in the world, but my house is in Spain. Come on, man. Like, just a chance to answer the question. Give a give a, an answer if somebody asks you a question. And he's very, very elusive. Um, and I guess that's the image that he created for himself. But that's in, in his, uh, in the 28 pages that he hand wrote, which are 40 pages in the book. Um, I didn't really learn anything about Prince. There was nothing interesting. He, he just tries to be very deep. And to me, it just comes off as douchey or, uh, um, eccentric. Uh, look at, look at how unique I am. You know, I, I don't think like normal people. Uh, and I'm sure there are people who love that about him. Okay. Uh, I found it a little bit, uh, just, just too much. Now also this, this book, they really, really extended it by, now you can see this, this really thick black part is, um, it's all just, just pictures. And some, some are, well, a little bit of, uh, album artwork. Um, what else? So things like this. This takes up two pages. And, and then, you know, most, most books, they would have the captions down here for the pictures, right? They would tell you, you know, what, what the picture's about or what, when it was taken, where it was taken, things like that. But I guess to, uh, and I don't blame them for doing this. They, they put all those at the back of the book, I guess so they could fill it with more pages. So that's how they got a 279 page book out of a, out of 28 handwritten pages. Um, and something else about Prince's personality, uh, I watch, uh, there's, there's only one really podcast that I watch or listen to regularly, and that's Talking Sopranos. I'm a, uh, I'm a bigger Sopranos fan than I am of Metallica and, and, um, Iron Maiden and Kiss and ACDC and Black Sabbath, all those bands that I love. I love Sopranos, I think more, more than anything of those. So I watch this Talking Sopranos podcast every week. Uh, it's been over a year now. They're doing 86, 87 episodes, 86 episodes of the podcast for 86 episodes of the, uh, of the series. Plus they did a special episode with David Chase. Anyway, um, Michael Imperioli, who plays Chris Moltisanti on, um, Sopranos, he talked about, he, he did, uh, he was in a movie, uh, I guess it was a Spike Lee movie or maybe not. And Prince, what was the name of the movie? I can't remember. But anyway, Prince, uh, Prince wrote the music to it. You can Google it. I'm sure it's very easy, although I should know. And so there was a, I guess it was a, like an after party at the, after the premiere of the movie, something. And it was in a, a nightclub or a restaurant or something. And Michael Imperioli told this story. And I have no idea what's ep- what episode it's in, but I'll try to kind of paraphrase his story. He saw Prince sitting in, um, you know, like the roped off the VIP area. And he said Prince must have known him because he, Michael Imperioli, was in the movie and Prince scored the movie. And, um, so he, Michael Imperioli wanted to go, you know, say hello to Prince. And, um, he said as he got up to, to the VIP area where Prince was, um, he said he, he looked at Prince, they made eye contact and, and Prince just looked away really quickly, he didn't want to look at him. And then two bodyguards, two of Prince's bodyguards came over and they told him, don't look at him. They told him, they told the guy, they told Michael Imperioli, don't look at Prince. And Michael Imperioli joked, you know, like he's the, the, uh, I don't think he actually said this to the bodyguards, but when he was telling the story, he said, so this, this little short guy with the silver or purple, whatever jumpsuit, who's roped off in the VIP section, people are not supposed to look at him. Anyway, and that's, that's how I see Prince. Just, uh, 
a weird person to be around. But I don't care. I, I like his music, so that doesn't make any difference to me. Uh, so that's that's my Prince thing. Uh, so to, to sum up, I like the book. I mean, it was okay. I didn't... Uh, it probably was better that if, if Prince had finished the book before he died... If, if, if those 28 pages had been an indication, if he had, you know, written that into 300 pages, I don't know how much I would have liked that book. Uh, so, book has kind of an incomplete grade. Uh, the, the movie, Purple Rain movie, don't like it. But the album, Purple Rain, I love this album. 